firing up that torch, toasting the foot on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Now that is an interesting cigar. This is the Drew Estates Acid Toast. It's really difficult to describe. The taste of the cigar before I light it is kind of sweet, a little bit spicy, but as I light it, mm-mm. This is a classic taste that comes from Drew Estates Infused Cigars. Wow, it is a beautiful cigar. The label's gorgeous. It's about six or six and a half inches long. It's a, uh, the ring gauge is about 50. That's a medium-sized cigar, but it is absolutely beautiful. The construction of this cigar is just plain gorgeous. It's a Maduro wrapper. Probably realize that that is my favorite kind of cigar. It got a very beautiful dark wrapper on it. So dark, it almost looks like Hershey's chocolate. <laughs> of course, the binder, Drew Estates binders, are from um, from Nicaragua, and the fillers from Nicaragua. And when you look at the end before I lit the foot of it, it is tightly wrapped, beautifully wrapped, but draws just right. You know, it's got to be an incredible skill to be able to hand roll cigars and make them so consistent, thousands of these cigars, that they taste and draw the same. This is like a medium body cigar, a little bit sweet, a little bit of a flavored spicy finish on the cigar. I've had a few of these before. I highly recommend it. The Drew Estates Acid Toast Cigar. Mm -mm. And with it today, this is an old favorite. Sometimes hard to find in the Pacific Northwest. It is a brand new bottle, so let's get this open. There we go. Brand new bottle. You can hear by the sound of that. So I should, if I knew anything about what I was doing, I'd let it air out just a little bit. But I really want to taste this. You know what it is? It is Angel's Envy. There we go. There's about one shot, maybe a little bit less than a shot. One ice cube. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This is a bourbon that was finished in port wine barrels for like three to six months after it was aged. I believe it's aged about six years. I'm not sure on that, so feel free to roll your eyes if you know better than I do. First taste, 86 or 87 proof. It's a lower proof. Oh, wow. Warm Kentucky hug on that first sip <laughs> on this beautiful afternoon. Wish you were here. Ah, I picked these two and put them together because partly I was just curious. How would they go together? And it's been a long time, maybe, uh, maybe well over a year since I've had any Angel's Envy. And these go quite well together. Toast, kind of like toast of the town, like that. And then Angel's Envy. Can I get personal with you today? Can I talk with you a little bit about the dark side of the long haul of leadership? Sometimes we envy people who are a little bit further along or appear to be a lot further along than us in our leadership journey. They are the toast of the town. <laughs> and so we kind of envy them from time to time. Well, maybe not you. Maybe not you. Maybe a friend of yours has a little bit of a hard time. Maybe you think you should be further along in your leadership journey than you really are. Maybe your enterprise, your department, your company, your efforts, you feel like should be further along than they really are. Well, how'd you get that way? How did you get to that thought? Well, you're comparing yourselves with others. And you're also comparing yourself with this expectation you had 15 years ago when you started and you thought, well, this is where I would be. You're not there. You're somewhere else. And so maybe a little bit of that uh, thing starts to creep up in you. Let's talk today about the art of the long view.
Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Clouds of smoke coming off of this Drew Estate's acid toast cigar. Mm -mm, I can barely see my notes in front of me. (laughs) Thank you for taking some time to join with me today. You know, there's something really interesting about podcasts. I've been thinking about this just a little bit. They're one of the most intimate ways to communicate. Even though you're not right here over there in one of those leather chairs inside of the studio or outside the studio soundproof kind of window over there gawking at me from the outside because you don't like cigar smoke. Even though you're not right here, I'm imagining that you're right here and I'm imagining who you are. I know many of you, grateful for you taking a little bit of time. And podcasts are so intimate because you're either listening to them in your car when you're driving. This is kind of an intimate experience. This is where it's just usually just you and I, unless you're you're Patrick and you've got your son in the seat beside you and the two of you are yammering away about what I'm going to talk about with respect to bourbon and you're not going to listen to anything else. Just saying. <laughs> but generally speaking, these podcasts are an intimate thing. They are for me when I listen to a podcast and maybe I'm on a walk or I'm driving. I have like a three-mile walk that I like to take. It kind of clears my head and it's beautiful and I'm surrounded by 150-foot cedar trees and there's usually no one out or if someone else is walking along that trail, they'll just smile and wave and say good morning and move on. There's no stopping and visiting. It's really a quiet experience for me often to listen to podcasts. The same is true when I'm in a car. I'm by myself when I'm barreling down the road in my SUV, I've got a podcast on. It's just me and the person who's giving me the podcast. It's just me and you when we are listening through these podcasts. So they're fairly intimate. And so I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to zoom in if I can and talk with you a little bit about some of the challenges that you and I have when it comes to staying in the game. I want to challenge you today to adopt the art of the long view Staying in the game when everyone else quits. Staying in the game when you feel like quitting. Staying in the game when it seems like everyone else has crossed the finish line in some way and you're still back there trudging along. Staying in the game. That's what I want to talk with you about today. Did you know that the odds of making money in U.S. markets are about 50-50 if you just stay in the market for one day? (laughs) That's okay. It's a whole lot better than casino odds. They are 68% chance of making money if you stay in the market for a year. Huh. It's an 88% chance that you'll make money in the market if you stay in it for 10 years. And it's a 100% chance of making money in the market if you stay in it for 20 years. What were you doing 10 years ago? What were you doing 20 years ago? Are you still staying in the, quote, market, so to speak, of your profession, of your relationships, of things that matter? Well, it's likely if you've been in the market, so to speak, for 10 years or 20 years, you're winning. The payoff is huge. And the longer you stay in, the higher the odds, if you want to describe it that way, that you will win are 
The game of life favors people who stick it out and is stacked against people who quit. So what are you doing right now? What are you doing that you thought you'd quit? Look at your life. Look at your career. You thought a while ago, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm just going gonna, gonna to quit. I'm done. I'm done with you. You're dead to me. You're going to walk on and going to do something else. But you didn't. You just stuck it out. This is really interesting, isn't it? You thought you'd quit, but you didn't. And what was the payoff? Because you just didn't quit. Good for you. What about now? Do you feel like throwing in the towel right now on people, on friendships, on your job, on your career, on something you have been striving for? It feels like forever to accomplish and it's barely moving. Huh. Maybe today's conversation with you will help a little bit. I know when I talk with folks who've stuck it out through the hard times and they just kept going and they changed a little bit of how they were working or what they valued, but they just kept on going, they look back and they say, wow, I am so glad I did not bail out on that fill in the blank. Maybe that relates to investments in people or in the financial markets or in a business or in an idea or in a mission. Maybe that relates to something you have been working very hard to learn for a long time and it's just barely moving. Maybe it's grit in the face of lots of temptations to just screw up, treat people poorly, to be utterly selfish. And yet you don't. You just stay in the game. Well, why is that? You have the art of the long view. And that's my challenge to you today, to take the long view. And it's a bit of an art because science has a, the ability to look back and to measure everything and say that since one and two and three and eight and 88 data points all line up and point in that direction, that's what the future is going to be like. And then when we turn and look at the future, there's a bit more of an art to it. To be able to say that because of underlying principles, I'm going to stick in the game is a bit of an art. Maybe science even says this is a silly investment, but art says keep going. There's more to it. There's an underlying value. There's an ethic. There's a morality to staying in the game. So let me challenge you today to take the art of the long view. Well, what is that? What is that art of the long view? First of all, it comes from a future focus. It understands that if I spend time and energy and sacrifice today, I'm doing so with the belief that tomorrow it will pay off in some way. Now, maybe that tomorrow was literally tomorrow. Maybe it's next month, next year. Maybe it's 15 years from now. Maybe it's way beyond that. But I stick in this because I truly value tomorrow more than today. I value the potential of tomorrow more than I value the discomfort of today. You'll know that you have that kind of mindset if you have the so that question answered. Why are you sticking in that relationship? Why are you sticking in that financial investment? Why are you staying with that career, that company, that effort, that project? Why? So that what? If you're able to answer that with clarity and the so that is because it's worth it. It is so worth it. It is a worthy goal. It is a worthy aim. And it is not about me. It is about something above me, beyond me, outside of me. That's called a future focus. Do you have that? That's part of the art of the long view. And if some MBA sat you down and showed you some spreadsheets and say it's never going to work and look, it hasn't worked so far and, and you need 100%, but you've only been getting 11 <laughs> 
<laughs> and they say, and they push their glasses back up on their nose, you know, what you ought to do is liquidate that relationship or liquidate that business or liquidate that process. But you know, there's something under it that is worth striving for, worth it. That's called a future focus. Well, what else is the art of the long view? It's an other focus. It's I'm focused on other people, not on my own comfort or my own reputation or my own success. I'm focused on other people as individuals or as groups who get to benefit because of this effort. What else is the art of the long view? Well, folks who have the art of the long view are folks who mind their grip I'd love to say to you, you're sitting right over there in that leather chair, and I pulled up the other leather chair in front of you, and I sat down and looked in your eyes, and we had a great connection, I'd say, mind your grip. What I mean by that is sometimes because of our grip, we injure ourselves <laughs> and, and we do so needlessly. I've mentioned this in one other podcast or perhaps in one of our Hilt Academy on YouTube videos that sometimes the way we injure ourselves in the gym is not by how much weight we lift or how many repetitions we do, but by how intensely we're gripping the bar or the weight while we're doing it. Loosen your grip a little bit. Mind your grip or you'll injure yourself. But some things we need to hang on to more tightly than we are right now and other things we need to loosen our grip on. For example, hang tightly onto justice. If something is wrong, if something is unjust, then hang tightly onto that and pursue justice wherever you possibly can. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. If there's injustice in your organization or injustice in your community or injustice in relationships, always hang tightly onto justice. Mind your grip by holding tightly onto your values. Hold onto your dreams, but mind your grip. Hold onto your dreams with an open hand. Don't grip your dreams too tightly. This has been a difficult thing for me to learn. And now, creeping up on 65 years old, I've begun to learn that over the last four or five years. That I do have dreams, and I'm such a visionary person, that I can see the shade of the carpet in the buildings that we haven't even purchased yet. <laughs> I can see all of it. I can see the job descriptions. I can see the cash flow. I can see all of the concepts. I can hear the personalities and hear the music in the room when we walk into them, I can hear all of that. And that's the way I tend to think it should be. But I have learned to hold on to my dreams, my desires, my plans, my hopes, but with a loose grip, with an open hand, with a humility that says it could be in that direction, but I really don't have to have that kind of carpet. <laughs> I don't know if that really, if you can relate to that at all, but I hope so. Mind your grip. Mind your grip. And then some things we hang on to tightly, some things we hang on to loosely, some things I need to utterly let go of, toss them away from me, because hanging on to those things will make me have a very short view instead of a long view. It'll knock me out of the game every time. Utterly let go of what most other people think about you. There's only a few people who you should be careful and cautious so that you live up to what they think is a good thing. There's very few of those people in your life. Very, very few. Utterly let go of what other people think of you. Now, don't be an ass. Don't walk around and saying, I don't care. It's just the way I am. That's not what I'm saying. But you don't need other people's approval. Utterly let go of the need to be or appear to be perfect. Oh, come on, friend. Let it go. Nobody expects you to be perfect. Don't expect yourself to be perfect. Utterly let go of negative and ungracious self-talk. 
You've got a narrator in your head, and maybe he or she is just beating you up constantly. Come on, let that go. Utterly let go of toxic and selfish people. There may be people in your life who you really want to have in your life, but they're toxic and they're selfish. And every interaction and every thought of every interaction with them is like a shot to your soul. Utterly let go of those people. They're toxic. They're selfish. Ah, you don't need them in your life. And here's the last thing. Ooh, this is hard. Utterly let go of things. <laughs> I have a really nice SUV. I got two of them. One of them's white. One of them's black. They're beautiful SUVs. But I don't hang on to them. I maintain them. They're clean. They're nice. But they don't matter to me, right? I have beautiful businesses, but it's what the businesses do that matters to me. I don't know if you can relate to that. I hope you can. So you're tracking with me, okay? Utterly let go of some things. What other people think of you, of the need to be perfect or to appear to be perfect. Utterly let go of negative and ungracious self-talk. Utterly let go of toxic and selfish people. Utterly let go of the, the need to hoard things. Utterly let go. That's all under the idea of mind your grip. Because if you're in this for the long view, you, you need to mind your grip or you will injure yourself deeply. So those who have the long view have a future focus. They have other focus. They mind their grip. What else do they do? They take control, but only of the things over which they are responsible to have control and to exert control. They're responsible for whom they trust. They're responsible for their perspective, how they think about something, how they choose to see it. And they're responsible for their own behavior. Take control of those. You really can't control anything else. Those who have the art of the long view also simplify their life. They look everywhere in their life and they think, is this too complex? Is this holding me back? Does this need to be simplified? And that can go from a grand level to a granular level. Simplify your life. Do it a little bit at a time and you will find that you will have more room in your heart and in your mind for the art of the long view. Also, the last thing that I found that folks who take this long view have is they have learned that delayed gratification, which is the essence of the long view, is kind of fun. <laughs> On one level, to get it, got it, good, run out there, grab it, buy it now, <clears throat> that can feel fun for a moment. But to delay gratification, the gratification of saying that sarcastic thing or of making that big purchase or making that fast decision, all those things can be gratifying in the moment. Delaying gratification because of the art of the long view is fun. When you get to that place, oh, wow, that is a beautiful place. If you're sitting right here, I would say to you, I want you to watch out. If you're starting to think of these things, then you're taking the art of the long view and turning it on its head. You're beginning to have a short view. Careful now, it's just you and me. If you start thinking any of these things, look out, you're in danger. Here they are, I deserve. Ooh, have you started thinking that? Ooh, look out, you'll have a short-sighted approach to life. Have you started thinking, just a little bit more. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more boots. <laughs> I need more money. I need not to just be able to live, but just the idea of acquiring more and hoarding more. Have you started thinking, poor me? Have you begun to feel a little bit like the victim? 
Have you begun to think, you know, I just don't feel like it. I'm just going to wait until somehow I feel like it. Have you begun to think, I'm surrounded by idiots <laughs> or by people who don't care or by people who don't appreciate me. Are you thinking that? You're not going to be able to sustain this long view, this stay in the game, because it will pay off later if you start thinking those things. I'm surrounded. <laughs> and here we go. Are you starting to envy people around you who got their, air quotes around there, faster than you? People who are the toast of the town? People who are, you know, they're just the envy of other people, it seems. Are you starting to do that? Kind of like the toast cigar that I'm smoking? <laughs> or the angel's envy bourbon that I'm enjoying right now? Do you envy people who are the toast of the town relative to your profession or your progress in your career or in your life? Oh, please, dear friend, be careful. Don't compare yourself to other people. They're not running the same race you're running. They're not you. And if you were to be able to sit down with them in some cigar smoke-filled studio and have a conversation and they were to be humble enough to share with you where they are right now and what it took to get there, you would find that there's nothing to envy. <laughs> They've had to struggle as much as you are. Watch out. If you're starting to think those things, then you're going to give up. I deserve it. Just a little bit more in the pursuit of satisfaction. Poor me. I'm going to wait till I feel like it. I'm surrounded by the idiots, by people who don't care, by people who don't appreciate me. And I'm envying people who got there faster than I did. Careful. You're going to give up if you stay with those thoughts for very long. So, dear friend, remember what matters. Remember why you started. Remember what's good and what's right. And do that. Stay in the game. It'll pay off. Do the right thing. Don't be selfish. Don't be lazy. And there is a 100% chance of success if you just stay in the game. <laughs> oh, well, now that was pretty up close and personal, wasn't it? <laughs> I hope I didn't poke a bruise too hard right there like Nurse Ratchet. Does that hurt? That's not my goal. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable or to hurt you in any way. I just want for you to be encouraged. I want you to realize that you are a leader. People will follow you whether you do the right thing or not. If you stay in the game, the people who follow you will stay in the game. If you give up, it's not like people decide, oh, I'm not going to follow her, I'm not going to follow him, because they gave up. No, they'll give up too. If you do the right thing, most of the time they'll do the right thing. If you're unselfish, they'll be unselfish. If you're not lazy, they won't be lazy. There's a 100% chance <laughs> that because you're a leader, people will follow you. So there you go. That's the art of the long view. I really appreciate you. I'm thinking of at least a dozen of you right now that pop to mind that are in very challenging situations and you just want to throw in the towel. You just want to say, ah, I'm done. But you haven't because you have the art of the long view. Good for you. Stay in the game when everybody else wants to quit and be selfish. Keep it up. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. 
If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.